Good morning, Chillicothe Bible Church. How are we doing? It's so good to see all of you. Uh, a couple things I want to do this morning here before we begin. Uh, number one, I want to echo what Judy said to you all uh, with my own encouragement to you. Uh, I heard from a number of people, you know, we, we had two funerals here in the last 10 days of dear people, and um, I had a number of people come up to me and say to me various uh, versions of this, I have never been to a church like this, and I have never seen an outpouring of love on people like this. And I even had one person uh, come up to me and give me the name of the church that she attended, uh, which is, I'll not share. Uh, But she said, I go to X and So Church in Peoria, and it's nothing like this. And this church really loves its people. And uh, that is a reflection of two things. Number one, it's a reflection of the Holy Spirit's work in each of you. But also, it's the words of Jesus coming true, that by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another, and y'all do. So you're to be commended in that. Um, And I was tremendously encouraged and proud of my church and excited uh, about what God is doing here as a result of that. You know, it's uh, it's been a tough time the last couple weeks, um, but nonetheless... Uh, you have revealed the, uh, the life of Christ inside you. Uh, the other thing I want to do, um, you'll notice, or you may have noticed, that out across from the cafe there is a selection of books under the sign, Featured Resources. These are things out of the church library, and they are available for you uh, to check out and to look at if you would like. Um, If you are a parent and you are struggling to know what to do with your children, okay, if you're a parent, (laughs) all right, Um, this is a good resource that is available uh, by Dr. Tim Kimmel, uh, Grace-Based Parenting, Setting Your Family Free. a lot, of, uh, a lot of parenting models that are out there have uh, one thing in common, and that is that they do not work. And what families need is a good example, uh, not more heavy-handed methods. Uh, or, well, if you just do this, well, then your children will do everything that you want. Uh, in reality, that's not how it works, right? Uh, the only lasting change that ever comes to anybody comes about through grace, And so I want to commend that to you. Um, How about if you are married and you have uh, things have not quite turned out like you thought they would on the day you said your vows? So, in other words, if you are married, (laughs) right? Um, What you find out is is that Prince Charming uh, has has a few chinks in his armor, and that. Uh, the the dear girl that you married that you thought did not have any flaws turns out to snore like a hibernating bear, among other things, right? And, um, and you go, how did I wind up married to this person? How do I make this work? Okay. Uh, so this book is called When Sinners Say I Do. 
Discovering the Power of the Gospel for Your Marriage. Uh, this is a great book, great resource uh, for you. Um, this one's a little bit different. It doesn't have to do anything whatsoever with family, but has to do with your heart and the things that we worship. It's called Counterfeit Gods, The Empty Promises of Money, Sex, and Power, and the Only Hope that Matters uh, by uh, Tim Keller. Tim is a uh, pastor of uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, and uh, a whole lot of us have, uh, have things that we bow down to that uh, are not God, and therefore they disappoint us as we try to serve them. And so uh, that is a great book. If you um, are just looking for some answers to your life and wondering where to find them, and you have, you're maybe not a Christian or you haven't been a Christian long, and you're thinking, man, I don't know uh, uh, how to figure life out, uh, this book will provide you with some answers. Um, so, today is graduation Sunday, and we want to celebrate with our junior high students and our senior high students and our college graduate, because um, it is a great day. It's a day when you're about to launch into a new chapter of your life. Um, congratulations, you've made it through the easiest part. <laughs> right? Uh, the hard stuff's coming. But uh, we want to encourage you and prepare you for the things that are coming uh, soon. And also speak to the rest of us uh, as, we, um, as we live our lives and look at, uh, for just a couple of minutes, a few of Jesus' parables. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, like you to turn with me over to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 43 to 49 together. Uh, if you don't happen to have a Bible, we do have some on that table in the back, and feel free to grab one and take it with you. We would love uh, for everyone to have a Bible uh, because uh, God's Word is the foundation for life. Um, now, as you make your way to, to Luke chapter 6, just want to remind you that one of the keys to understanding Jesus' parables is that there's always a deeper truth being communicated, that what you have is a surface-level statement, and then you have a deeper truth underneath that that is being communicated. And on the first time you read it, it might seem like Jesus is simply telling you something you already know. But if you read carefully, you begin to understand that Jesus is making a point that is beyond the obvious. And so with that in mind, I want to begin reading here Luke chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Now, one of the things I love about Jesus' teaching is that he uses everyday things 
uh, so that we can get our arms around his message and really understand it. Now, I love fruit trees. Uh, If it were up to me, we would have an entire orchard in the backyard. Uh, I don't think that Karen is down for that. But nonetheless, I love fruit trees. And a few years ago, we planted a couple of peach trees. And I'm really excited about them this year because the trees are finally big enough that I've got all kinds of peaches about that big. Okay, they are, they are beautiful. They look like little almonds right up there at the end of the, all these branches. And I mean, they are loaded. We're going to have to prop up the branches to hold them all once they start to really develop. And I'm hoping that the squirrels do not get them. But me and Red Rider will take care of that, right? <laughs> So anyway, we're going to make sure we get peaches this year, right? One way or another. And, and because peaches means peach preserves and peach cobbler and peach pie and frozen peaches. And yeah, uh-huh. It's almost lunchtime, right? Uh, yes. All right. Now, As you consider Jesus' teaching here as it relates to my peach trees, why are they producing peaches? Because they are what? Peach trees. Right. Okay, now, I'm glad we're all hanging with it. I know that's obvious, but hang with me here for a second. Why are they producing lots of peaches? Because they're healthy peach trees. Now, given that... They are healthy trees, and that they are peach trees, it would be silly, wouldn't it, to expect them in the fall to produce pears, right? Not going to get pears. Why not? Because it's a peach tree. And if you plant peach trees, eventually, given enough years, enough watering, enough fertilizer, etc., eventually you get peaches, And it would be equally silly, therefore, to plant multiflora rows and expect to harvest peaches. Right? Right. What does multiflora rows produce? Produces uh, scratches, bleeding, uh, (laughs) nasty, impenetrable thickets. Okay, it does not produce anything useful. Produces something you need to cut down and burn, right? It does not produce anything that goes into a pie and makes deliciousness and causes every fat cell in your body to break forth into the hallelujah chorus, right? Multiflora rose produces nothing of any significance or value, just nastiness. And how do you know what that something is? What something is? As you look at a plant, how do you know what it is? You look at what it produces, That's Jesus' point. And Jesus is teaching us that the same thing that is true of fruit trees is also true of people. And his major point is this, that whatever is in you, whatever is in you is going to eventually be what comes out of you. Let me say that again. Whatever is in you is eventually what is going to come out of you. In other words, the results of your life are directly tied to the kind of person you are on the inside. Whatever your life produces is a symptom 
It reveals what's going on in your heart. And so if you want to change the outcome of your life, you can't simply try harder. You know, if you apply more fertilizer to a multiflora rose bush, you are not going to get peaches. You're just going to get more multiflora rose mess. You cannot, with the same thing, apply more effort to changing the exterior. You have to get to the root. You have to change the heart first. And so if you look at your life and what it is producing, graduates, if you look at your life and what it is producing is thorns and thistles and nothing that tastes very good, the reason is that the root of your life is bad and needs to be changed. And Jesus tells us a little more about that in verses 46 to 49. He says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, and laid the foundation on a rock. And when, the flood, when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." Now, many of you know that for, uh, for many years, my dad was a home builder in the city of Indianapolis. Uh, between 1977 and 2009, his company, Hanson & Horn, built literally thousands of houses all around central Indiana. And so I spent a lot of my growing up years... Uh, hanging around job sites and touring model homes and going to the parade of homes in various places. In fact, we would be on vacation, and Dad would see a new home development, and he would want to go through the go through the construction site and see what the layout was of that house to see if it was maybe a design that he we could we could build or one that would sell. And and we did that a lot. And we, we went and saw all these houses go, going up. And, and I still, I haven't been arrested yet, uh, but I still like to go and poke around construction sites and see houses going up and watch and just envision, okay, so this is the bathroom, all right, this is a utility closet, this is, a, this is the master bedroom, this will be where the bathroom is. Ooh, that's plumbed in for... A really nice tub, that's cool, and, uh, and so forth, right? And I love to poke around that stuff. I just enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but you know what? And I love to watch all these trade guys at work. I am not skilled in most of these things. Uh, I'm basically a useless mystic, okay? I read the Bible, and I write sermons, and basically that's what I know how to do. But I like to watch these guys as they build things, as the carpenters come in, as the masons come in, as the roofers come in, as the plumbers and the electricians do their thing. I love to watch that stuff. It's fascinating to watch a skillful guy do his job 
and make a contribution to something beautiful. But do you know who the most important person on any housing construction site is? It's the concrete guys and the block mason. If, the, if, the, if, he is, if you're having pour, a poured foundation, it's the concrete guys that set, that, set those forms up. Or if, it, if you've got a block foundation, it's the block masons that come in and set that foundation. And all the walls need to be plumb, and the corners need to be square, and everything needs to fit together and be tight and level and square and plumb as it should be. Because if it's not... As the house goes up, you're going to have problems. Because as houses settle as they do, if your foundation is not solid, or if you didn't get it dug down deep enough to get below the frost line, what will happen is your house will start to heave in various ways and move. And you will have cracks in your in your drywall, you'll have plumbing leaks, you'll have all kinds of issues that will start to go on if you don't have a solid, square, plumb foundation underneath that thing. And, and if you build a house with no foundation whatsoever, well, that's going to be exciting for you. <laughs> About the first time you get big weather changes... You're going to go for a ride in your house. <laughs> okay? It'll be really fun until you get the insurance uh, settlement, right? And you have to redo everything because it's not built on the right kind of foundation. Uh, it, it needs to go deep enough to prevent the house from moving, and it needs to be solid and fixed. And in the same way, the most important part of your life, the most important part of your life, is the foundation that is built on. And according to Jesus, there are only two choices. Just two. There is building your life on the foundation of knowing and following and obeying Jesus. That's one option. Or B, there is everything else. There is following Jesus, and there is everything else. And following Jesus is like digging down deep and building a solid foundation under your life, one that will last when the storms of life hit. And building your life on anything else is just as dumb as building a house right down here on the beach next to the river. If you do that, what will happen? Well, sometime around next spring, or maybe this winter, if we get a lot of rain between now and then, the water will rise. And guess what? So will your house. And it will float downstream in chunks. Okay? And in the same way, building your life on anything other than Jesus... When the storms of life hit will mean that your life comes apart and floats downstream in chunks. 
it will be, bring destruction on you. And there is, therefore, according to Jesus, a binary choice. There is not a third option. There isn't, well, I will follow Jesus, and, but I will pick and choose which commands of His I'm going to obey. And the ones I like, I'm going with, and the ones I don't like, I'm going to do my own thing. He says there's only two options. Follow me all the way. Or go your own way and do your own thing and reap the results in either case. And he says in verse 49 that anything other than following me results in destruction. The ruin of that house was great. It is, if you want a secure foundation for your life, Jesus tells us how to get it. That following Him and building your life on the foundation of knowing Him. And that means understanding His Word and putting it into practice. It's actually doing what Jesus said that changes your life. You know, there are lots of people who grow up in churches. There may be even people who have grown up in this church. Who want there to be a third option. Well, maybe I can follow Jesus part of the time or part of the way. But there's not a third choice according to Jesus. And the results will be the same of partially following versus not following at all. If you want to know how to really do what Jesus commands, you need to know the same thing that he was telling us in the previous story about trees and their fruit is still true. That what you need is not more effort, but a different heart. You need a different root that produces different fruit. And the way that you get that is very, very simple. You need to understand four basic things. You need to understand, number one, that you are a sinner. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and He made human beings in His image, and He made us all perfect. But our first parents fell into sin. They, and that is, they rebelled against what God told them to do and decided to go their own way. And as a result of that, that tendency and that desire toward rebellion against God is passed down to all of us. And by the way, we like it. And so we engage in rebellion against God as soon as we're able to do so. How many of you all, raise your hand if you had to teach your kid how to lie. I've never taught my kid how to do that, but they all knew, they came out of the womb knowing how, right? And what the Bible says is true, that we are born with a bent away from God and toward rebellion against him that we then act on. The Bible summarizes it this way in Romans 3.23. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It means that none of us naturally do what is pleasing to God. And therefore, that leads us to the second thing you need to know and understand. That God is just and he has to punish us for our sins. And the punishment for sin is severe. 
I don't know if you know it or not, but according to your Bible, rebellion against God is a capital crime. And again, the Bible summarizes that in Romans 6.23 when it says, the wages of sin is death. Meaning that what you earn for your rebellion against God, the just punishment for that, is death. Physical death, certainly, but also spiritual death or separation from God in the place that Jesus talked about more than anything else, a place that he calls hell. And that is really bad news, I know, and I know it's a celebratory day, and that's kind of a bummer. You didn't maybe come to church uh, thinking that the preacher would mention the word hell, but that's what the Bible says is the outcome of our sin because God is just that that is the just punishment. And that's the bad news of your Bible. But there's also good news. And just like the bad news gets worse, the good news gets better and better. And the good news is the third thing that you need to know and to believe, that even though God must punish us and He must punish sin because He is just, God also loves us and doesn't want to punish us for our sin. And out of His love for us, God sent His Son to become incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, to become a human being, to take on a human nature, and to become a human being and live a life just like us. And then to die on the cross as our substitute that we could have our sin put on Jesus, and in exchange, get God's righteousness. That God's justice was met for us in the person of Jesus Christ. So that God could judge sin and do what was right, and put someone to death for sin. But because He loved us, He put Not us to death, but his son to death in our place as our substitute. That's that's the good news. That is what the Bible calls the gospel. That, That God, out of his love for us, sent his son to die in our place, so that instead of justly sending us to hell out of love, welcomes us into his family and gives us a place in heaven as his sons and daughters. And finally, if you know these things, you need to know one more thing. You need to know that salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift, meaning you can't work for it and deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't obtain it by any method known to man. You can merely receive it as a gift from God's hand which He is offering you today. Since you are a sinner and God is just, there is nothing you can do to earn new life, but you really need it. And since you really need it, God out of love sent Jesus to give it to you, to die on the cross in your place for your sin, and then to be raised from the dead. And as He was raised from the dead, that did two things. That Number one, proved that Jesus is the Son of God. Because no one can rise from the dead unless they're God. And Jesus did. 
And secondly, it proved that God accepted Jesus' payment on your behalf and on my behalf so that we could have access to God. And it's a free gift. All you have to do to receive it is to transfer your trust from yourself in whatever way you've been going and whatever things you've been doing up to now. Transfer your trust from that onto the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says at the moment that you do that, that you actually receive eternal life from God. That you receive the new life that God promised and Jesus uh, completed for us through his death and resurrection. And you will, through that action of putting your trust in Jesus Christ, build a new foundation for your life and receive the new heart that we all need. And you will be able to have a life that will withstand not only the storms of this life, but one that will last and bring you into glory in the next one. Amen? So here's the bottom line today. A couple more minutes and I'm done here. Following Jesus produces good fruit and a solid foundation for your life. And in fact, it is the only thing that will do that. The only thing that will do that. So let me ask you today, as you look at your life, what kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of fruit does your life produce? And as you look at your house, the house of your life, is it standing or is it falling down around you? For other foundation can no one lay than that that is laid in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that will last through the storms of this life and bring you safely into the presence of God in the next one. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we are super proud of all of our graduates. We are excited to see what you will do in and through their lives as they head out into the next chapter, whether that is college or work or additional schooling. But Father, I also pray for all who are here that if anyone would have come today not sure what they're building their life on, but knowing that it isn't Jesus Christ, if anyone would be looking at the fruit of their life and going, hmm, my life is not very tasty and I do not like the way this is going. Father, I pray they would turn to you. I pray that they would find new life through faith in Jesus Christ. That for them, today would be the day of a new foundation for their life and a new heart at the center of their being. And Father, I pray that by your grace that you would... Help us all to, to celebrate and to enjoy 
the new life that you have given to us so graciously and freely. And Father, we pray for your blessing on each one here. In Jesus' name, amen.